Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name's Alex Gruskin. Hopefully, you listeners, you may be able to hear it right now by the audio quality. Hopefully, you all are well aware. We're on the road at Cracked Rackets. I've had the chance to spend these past seven days at tournaments, at these events, in person, be providing that sort of on-site coverage you only get when you travel to a professional or collegiate tennis tournament. We've had so much fun on the road, and we are on the road again. Super producer Daniel Westoff, not only on the ones and twos, but behind the wheel right now as he takes us back to his crib as we completed another day of coverage at this year's Kentucky Open. Hopefully you listeners have been following along with all of our content. You can find it all at CrackedRackets.com. We've been so excited uh, to up our game. Podcasts galore, of course, but things such as videos, things such as written content as well. Uh, We've really redoubled our efforts and hopefully, uh, and if you haven't heard about it already, our Crack Rackets team launching a Patreon subscribe only account that is because we have the ability uh, to go to these sites. Look, there are costs along the way, so of course we do want to uh, ask you listeners to contribute, and we are so appreciative to all those who have already the reception we've gotten over these past couple of weeks. We could not be more thankful for. Uh, but so that's what uh, I want you uh, to start with. You know, just a reminder: if you haven't, go check out that Patreon. Different levels you can subscribe at, whatever you're comfortable with. We would appreciate anything you guys would be willing to give. That being said. Such a fun time to be a tennis fan right now. Not only is the year's first Grand Slam in the book, we got a new uh, major champion on the women's single side in young American Sophia Kennan. Not only is the first national championship at the Division I collegiate level in the book, hopefully you guys all followed our coverage of the women's national indoors last weekend in Chicago, but this upcoming weekend, the first big weekend of the men's college tennis season, the Division I men's national indoors, 16 of the top programs in the country all coming together in one location to battle it out to give us an early season look which teams have the most depth which teams have the best top end talent who's got the doubles prowess that they're going to need to have to make a late run come May are there any sleepers are there any teams that are overrated all of those facts we're going to learn so much more about these division one men's college tennis teams over the next five days that being said the draws for the national indoors now out the seeds out we have some time to speculate uh, and we're going to make this a two-part Great Shot podcast, part one, to talk about the seeds, to talk about the past week of results that influenced those seeds, then tomorrow, or then later on, part two, myself, Chris Halioris, Matt Stokowiak, going to go through the eight round of 16 matches, pick our winners, tell you guys the lineup decisions you should be watching for most closely, uh, talk about our any upset picks we have along the way, our eventual semifinalists, finals, and winners predictions. I'll point out that in the women's podcast, Chris Halioris and I, uh, undefeated in our predictions. We both thought UCLA, UNC, just a cut above everyone else in the crowd, and we also thought UNC, top to bottom, just we thought they were the team that was going to take it home, and they ended up doing that. So it's rare that a Cracked Rackets uh, prediction comes through, that it did feels notable, that we both got it right, is why I'm going to bring him back for part one of this Great Shot podcast to talk about the seeds and how they were uh, decided to talk about the past week of events so he can help me fill in any gaps I might have from my time covering the women's game this past weekend. Uh, You know him, of course, as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR. One of the many dames who roots for the Liberty Flames and a guy who's entering the Division I men's national indoors without a rooting interest for the first time. Chris Halioris, hey, great shot. Thank you for staying up and uh, how excited are you for this weekend? 
Oh, I am extremely pumped for this weekend. And yeah, like you said, you know, I'm not I'm not there just to watch, uh, you know, my Mississippi State Bulldogs, obviously, who are not there. But uh, yeah, I'm there to watch all the good tennis we're going to get. But uh, I don't know, man, with with your lead in comments there, if the leash I'm on is that I only get to come on because we nailed the predictions. Well, this may be my last show. <laughs> It's funny as I thought that was going a completely different direction and will leave unsaid the direction I thought you were about to take that. Um, but no, Chris, please, you know how excited I am to be uh, in the play-by-play booth with you. I'm not going to lie. I told Daniel Westoff early this morning, I was like, you know what? I'm actually a little bummed because I think I have the rhythm of the solo call for a college match down and me having the ego that I do, Chris. As you know, I'm like, I don't really want to share that with anyone. But then it hit me. <laughs> yeah, but then it hit me later on. I'm like, wait a second. I'm going to be getting to do this with Chris when inevitably there's a six singles player playing who I'm like, hey, who's this Wisconsin guy? Hey, I, I, I swear to God, I've never heard of this player on UCLA before. It'll be so great to have you be like, no, 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 please. That's a 12.6 UTR. Really? You don't remember his win from 2006? at the ITF, like boys 12s as well. So no, I am thrilled to have you on. You know, if it's even half as fun as last year's event was, uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. Now, before we talk about the actual matches that we're going to see, there were a ton of matches this past weekend uh, that really did influence the seating. So Chris, what you and I are going to do today, I want to talk about those matches. I want you, being the expert that you are, predictions never far from the listed UTR forefather of the college tennis ranks formula, uh, to talk a little bit about how how those wins influence the seeding, influence what we're going to be seeing this weekend. As I mentioned at the top, part two is when we'll get into the actual uh, matches that we will see at this national indoor final event. Uh, but let's start in Columbus because they were the site, uh, the host of the majority of the incredible action we saw on the men's side this past weekend. The Buckeyes hosting two top 10 schools, and I think the match we have to start with, they hosted number one USC. They ended up beating them on the day. The Buckeyes taking a 4-2 decision over the Trojans. Ultimately, Chris, when you look at this ITA draw and where the seeds came out, and we can maybe list them all in a second, but the big takeaway, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the defending champs, they're the number one overall seed heading into this event. Good call, bad call, hot, you know, hot take. Oh, it's the only call, though. That had to be, had to be them. Okay, give me the case why. Ah, I mean, look, they've beat, they've, they've knocked, knocked off Texas, they've knocked off uh, USC, you know, no, nobody, well, you just can't even go in there and win. I mean, they're, they, not only are they beating, and then obviously before, before, um, it didn't really matter because the draws came out before the match, but then, you know, dispatched of A&M uh, Tuesday night, 4-1. But, uh, but yeah, there's just, there's, there's no doubt that with the way they've beaten and they've beaten the top teams, that uh, there's, you, there's nothing you can do but make them number one. Nobody else has the case, has the win to put up in in front of them. I mean, you know, we can all debate and especially indoors they're they're going to be great. We can debate whether we think they're the best team or not, but the fact of the matter is they've played the best teams and they've beaten everybody they've played. Well, A, I'm going to take that scoff that you just threw at me as a sign that you are really you really are that excited to see me this weekend you're like ugh, is this the sort of take you're going to be throwing at me is it even a question with Ohio State I do miss you Chris it's not it wasn't right last week being in the booth without you oh and of course I keep 
plugging this to tease you know how grateful we are to our friends at the ITA at Playside. Chris and I going to be doing the play-by-play call as we did last weekend uh, for this ITA Division One men's indoor event. But I agree with you. There's no denying it. And you look at the breakdown in particular first for this match against the Trojans. I mean, for the Buckeyes, it always seems to start in doubles. And Ty Tucker's teams always have strong doubles teams at the top, even if they're not the most talented team. You know, the fact that he turned Kevin Metka into an NCAA doubles finalist, now that's a deep cut for you college tennis fans out there, but with all due respect to Kevin Metka, you know, he is far from a Roger Federer. He is far from an Ernest Golpus. He's, you know, he's not one of these guys who go out there and you're like, oh, that's the most talented tennis player I've ever seen. It's a testament to the development coach Tucker, coach Kronagy, uh, what they're able to do at at Ohio State in Columbus, and you look at what they've been able to produce out of their doubles lineup thus far. I mean, they have the number one team in the country in John McNally and Robert Cash, and honestly, you know, there are times when you think maybe that's not even their strongest single doubles position. You look at the team of Cannon Kingsley and Kyle Selig playing the three doubles position. Trotter and Boulez at two, uh, they got a 7-6, 7-5 in the breaker win over Holton Bullis, but, you know, Kingsley and Selig, I know they got the win over the Trojans here. I believe they also got wins, uh, a win over the, the Aggies later on in the week. I mean, for for a Buckeye team, it's always going to start at the at the doubles position, and this Buckeye team has picked up the slack despite losing Joyce and Wolf and and Tubert, who were three legitimate double starters last season. Yeah, I mean, the doubles has been outstanding. When you throw throw it in the fact that so far they've been a lock in the doubles point. With what they're doing in singles, uh, you know, it's it's the reason they haven't lost, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're incredible. And, you know, what's even funnier to me is, of course, and this is the one thing I think we should take away from the USC matches, Ty Tucker's going to tie Tucker, right? And in that USC match, he had Kyle Selig playing at three. Selig loses to Riley Smith, 3-6-6-1-6-4. He has Justin Boulez playing at four. Boulez, a 6-2-6-2 loser to more Bullis. And what does Ty Tucker does? He tuckers it up. He, of course, flips those two in the A&M match. I believe it was Selig who played uh, four in that one. Boulez, who played three. Selig gets a quick win at that four singles position uh, to put, I think it was the second point on the board for the Buckeyes pretty quickly. I mean, that's the biggest question for Coach Tucker, right, heading into this weekend. Certainly by resume, they're the number one seed, but at this point, it's really just what lineup are we going to see, you know, particularly in singles in the middle of that lineup, because he also got two clinches from James Trotter this weekend, which for this Buckeyes team to be its best to win another national indoor championship, Trotter's got to be that good. He's got to replace what Cobalt gave them at the five singles position last year. Yeah, we won't. I mean, we'll when we get there uh, to, to on site Madison, we'll have all we'll have all the lineups. We don't want to spoil anything ahead of time, but yeah, I mean, I think I would certainly expect to see the same. It's they're in pairs for him, right? I mean, really, it's it's one and two in some order, it's three and four in some order, and it's five and six in some orders. And and he's played a little bit with with some of that. Not really much at five six. I think we've pretty much seen it's Trotter Cash at five six. But you know he's mixed McNally and Kingsley around a little one and two. He's mixed C League and uh, and Boulay at at three and four. And you know I would I would assume we expect to see the same this weekend. Yeah, but it's just like typical Ty Tucker. Like in what world? And this is not to be disrespectful to anyone in the lineup uh, for the Buckeyes because they're all immensely talented. But like. 
Kyle Seelig's your three singles player. Like, I'm, I'm just sorry. He is the third best player. Like, I cannot believe there, That could get challenged this weekend, couldn't it? That's, like, the biggest question for the Buckeyes is how many of the spots in their lineup get challenged. Um, also, the fact that he turned to Robert Cash, and I want to talk about the Buckeyes now because I know when we preview the matches with Matty Stacks, uh, we're not going to talk much about Ohio State, Wisconsin. Spoiler alert, we're all taking the Buckeyes. Um, but do you see a world where this Buckeyes lineup gets challenged going in hand, into this tournament? And by the way, shout out to you for learning a little bit of discretion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, zero chance this lineup gets challenged. Uh, zero? You can, just zero. You can't challenge the lineup. I mean, the, both Boulay and, and C-League both have been playing. They've been playing back and forth. And there's no way that you can say, oh, yeah, C-League clearly the three and, and, and you know, and Boulay clearly the four. It just hasn't, it hasn't played out that way, uh, you know, in the, in the matches. So there's, you, you're not going to be able to make a good enough, uh, a good enough argument, you know, to, to do that. I mean, yeah, C-League's winning, winning a lot, but, but it's still, you know, he did, he lost to, to USC. Uh, I just, I don't see that. Yes, you might be able to make a case that I don't think it's really, I don't think it's the right order, but no, it's so close that you, that you can't. You know the the challenges are really for, are there for the purposes of an egregious stack, right? Not not just oh, I don't want my four to play him. I'd rather play the other guy. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I also think, and we've talked about the Buckeyes uh, quite a bit, so we can move on afterwards. But we both deserve to admit that we ate a little bit of crow. John McNally has been a legitimate number one singles player for the Buckeyes. And I know before the season, we both talked about, well, you know, Cannon Kingsley, the uber-talented freshman, is he going to pass him at one point? Are we going to see McNally go back to the two singles position? And the answer right now is a definitive no. I mean, John McNally beats Brandon Holt against USC. He beats, I believe, was it Vachero who played one, uh, I think, for A&M in that match? I mean, he has looked so good. And if they're going to get that pop from him at one singles, and keep in mind, we're indoors. And I I talked to some people close to the Ohio State team. Now that I do this full-time, I feel like I can use some journalistic integrity. I'm not going to reveal who I talked to. Uh, but there were some feelings that maybe the freshman, you know, the talented Kingsley, you know, Ty Tucker's not one who's going to play favorites. If you're the best, you're going to be playing one. And it's a testament to McNally that he has come out and displayed the level that he has thus far this season. Yeah, I still, I mean, they've, in all honesty, they've both been great. And I wouldn't say that, you know, he's a lock to stay there because Kingsley's been tremendous as well. So I, I think as the season goes on, uh, you know, we, you, you, you may or may not see just based on how they do. And, and you never know based on, on the few chances early in the year that they might get to play outdoors. Uh, you know, they probably will on those road trip, that road trip they make down to Georgia and somewhere else they go besides Georgia. Um, you know, maybe there's a, Maybe we see some outdoor there. Maybe there's a little flip uh, outdoors. Who knows? But yeah, the, I mean, McNally and Kingsley both at the top. And to your and your question, no, they uh, Vachero played three for A and M. McNally beat Hattie Habib. Uh, Habib, that's who it was. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. And and Kingsley was had just split with Aguilar uh, when the, when the match ended. But but I mean, yeah, that's, they've been great. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, no, they, I agree with you. They've been outstanding. So, And you're right. Uh, when we get outdoors, that could be a whole nother monster. And, uh, again, I've been talking to people close to the team. As happy as they are 
with this portion of the year, they know now. They're like, look, we were this good last year, uh, and it didn't mean any, you know, sorry, I'm going to swear West off, give you another edit, which I feel worse about since he's in the car next to me, but it didn't mean last year. You know, they, as good as they were through the first portion of the year, uh, once they hit the outdoors, it was a completely different season. Uh, so that's something for them to monitor. Let's look at the flip side of this one. Let's talk about this USC team. They were number one in the country. I think justifiably that had they really been tested uh, to that point, not exactly. They beat Stanford, I believe. They beat Cal, I believe, as well. Uh, but they had not uh, played, you know, they haven't really played a team of the Ohio State caliber. You know, there was no Florida-Texas match on their schedule to that point. Uh, And for this USC team, I think because they have so much talent, one of the big questions is going to be, you know, where does that talent line up? For uh, brand-new coach Brett Macy, what does he want to do in singles? What does he want to do in doubles? And the lineup he went with today, I think it's fascinating. And Matt Stokowiak, to his credit, he yells about a lot of things, and some of them are ridiculous, some of them are legitimate. He was right. The idea that... splitting up Riley Smith and Brandon Holt, I don't really get it. And I know the that USC, they lose this doubles point, but they were so close to winning it. 7-6 decision at 2. It's 6-all at 1. They lose 6-4 at 3. Uh, but I do have some questions about this USC lineup, that they are the number 2 overall seeds, Chris, heading into this ITA Indoor Championship. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, I think, I think uh, you know, it was... Two through five, as as I had kind of tweeted out, I thought was you you could toss up and put in any order. I would have uh, I would have liked to see maybe a, a one slight change in there, but I think two for USC, yeah, completely legit. Yeah, and you look at, again, where they had success, just looking at this lineup against Ohio State, it's not as though uh, they got, bl- I mean, they lo- so their losses come in, two of them come in straight sets at the top of the lineup. For Cuckerman, the senior number one player in the country to lose in straight sets to Kingsley, that's surprising, but there were some bright sides. Riley Smith at three, beating Selig in three sets, that's big for them. That they get to play more Bullis at four, uh, you know, two and two uh, win for him, that's big for them. Uh, I think Stefan Dostinich as a freshman is only going to get better and that he's going three sets with Trotter that's good for them Ryder Jackson Robert Cash unfinished but they have a ton of options at that six singles position I think the bottom of the lineup USC is fine but you know if I I never expected a world where they're going to lose one and two to any team let alone this Ohio State team so that did surprise me a little bit and to me the reason I bring them up is because I think the two seeds should be UNC UNC who knocks off TCU I believe it was 4-0 this past week in uh, Fort Worth. I mean, given the senior depth they have on that UNC team, given that it's Blumberg, Seguin, and Cernok Pack, and you can go with Sondergaard, or you can go with Kiger, and the amount of veterans they have that they haven't lost yet either. I know USC played Ohio State close on the road at, you know, in Columbus. They're 279-1 or whatever it is over their past 280. Uh, you know, that's that goes on. It keeps coming up, but this North Carolina team is stacked. And on Twitter, you said the two through five positions. Again, I'm, I apologize for swearing West off, uh, but they're a cluster. Like, it, you really could put them anywhere, and the ITA wouldn't be wrong. But that being said, I I would have gone UNC, then USC. Uh, what do you think about that? What did you think about UNC's performance about TCU, and how, did, how are you thinking about them as they head into this indoor tournament? Oh, well, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I still think they're the best team in the country right now. Um, you know, granted, they, they Ohio State is deserves to be the one seed. 
Uh, I, I still think North Carolina right now is, is the, is the best team. So I, I certainly, I, if it was me making the seeds, I still would have seeded Ohio state one. I would have seeded North Carolina two, as you said, but I have no issue. I mean, really putting them again, when you're talking Texas, uh, North Carolina, Florida in there at, at three, four, five and USC at two, I, I'm not going to, I mean, it's, it's so close. I, I, I'm not going to have a big, a big beef about it either way. The only, the, the, honestly, the only thing that I, that I, here we go. I came away with when looking at the draws and it's not that, and you, and it's not the ITA's responsibility to, to look at the draws like this, you know, and then go, ah, oh, maybe we should, maybe we should adjust it a little bit when you look uh, and we could come out dead wrong, but I look at it and go, wow, the top half is brutal. So the top half compared to the bottom half is like, it feels like night and day because you've got like a 12 seed in Columbia who's going to be really good indoors in the top half. And you've got North Carolina, Ohio state and Florida, uh, three of those top five. And on, and right now the top five teams are just head and shoulders, a level above everybody else. So, so I, just to push you on that point, because has there been a big enough sample size where you can definitive? I think you can definitively say Ohio State's number one right now, just on the body of work. We agreed on that. We spent ten minutes talking about it, so we don't have to relitigate it again. Why I have an issue, not necessarily with USC at number two, but with UNC at number four—that's a joke. And like, I the reason it's a joke, Florida and UNC—that's not a quarterfinal match. That's ridiculous. Now, you want to tell me Florida-Texas as a rematch as a quarterfinal from earlier in the year, or you want to tell me, you know, it's Texas versus UNC, or I guess in no world could Florida be seeded ahead of Texas, but the fact that an undefeated UNC team who has beaten, I believe UNC beat South Carolina already this year, I think it was of a 4-0 nature, that they have already beaten this TCU team who was without, I think, Fernley or Pirolek. One of the guys was out with a flu. I don't remember who, uh, and that just shows. Yeah, it was Fernley, and that's... uh, I apologize to you, Coach Rodini. It's just where my head is at. Um, but that screws – like, that is just ridiculous. And I know, you know, you're going to have – you play the schedule that's in front of you. It doesn't really matter in that you're ultimately going to have to play a couple of good matches. But the fact that it, – it, we should have gotten the, I think, the Florida-Texas rematch. I should have – it should have said, okay, you guys beat up on each other before, but it was really close. One of you beats up on each other again, gets to the semifinals. But I think Ohio State, USC – and UNC have done enough, have proven enough this year that those are your top three seeds. That you know, Texas lost to Ohio State. It, it wasn't as close as when USC went in to Ohio State. So by rankings points, I get why USC is ahead of Texas, and I think that makes sense. I don't get why Texas is ahead of UNC, and I'm I, I'm not mad because all of these matches are going to be sensational. But if you're that you know head coach Sam Paul, if you're head coach Brian Shelton. You probably think that they butchered this one, and it should, I don't know, if they would have gone Ohio State 1, USC, UNC, some combination of 2 and 3, then Texas, Florida, that to me is the most logical top 5. Yeah, I think so, and I think the the guy that should probably have the most heartache over all of that then is probably Sam Paul, because had North Carolina, where they got stuck, is in a brutal brutal section. brutal they get south carolina again they got it they, well they have to start with south carolina which is a very a is a good team but but assuming that they win because they i mean hell they just beat them 4-0 they ought to win then <laughs> they true. then they've got to get 
in all you know in in all likelihood and i wouldn't call this a you know a, a given by any stretch of the imagination but you know if the seedings were to hold up florida and then if they were to get by that potentially ohio, ohio state. state right i mean yeah. and you're not and even then if the they final, get by that yeah exactly and you're exactly. not even in the final yet so that's that's a brutal draw whereas if you look at him and say yeah we're the team that a lot of people right would say probably should have been a two or three so let's just say they're three swap their spot you know switch their draw for texas's draw now where texas gets to look at ucla who's hurting right now and then uh, either michigan or texas a&m who aren't you know not bad but i wouldn't call them florida right now uh and then uh you know and then you finally get to in all likelihood usc after that a a on paper, anyway, definitely an easier draw in the bottom side. So, yeah, I think if I'm Coach Paul, I'm going, hey, if you'd give me that two or three where I think Carolina really should have been, much easier draw. But, hey, you know, if you if you think you're going to be the champions and you're going to win, you got to beat anybody they put in front of you. So it doesn't really matter. You're absolutely right. And, again, this is not meant to be disrespectful to Coach Burke's Texas Longhorns, the defending national championship Texas Longhorns. I will continue to add until there's a new national champ this year. But yeah, does it sound fair's the wrong word? But that Florida, or that North Carolina hypothetically would have to beat South Carolina, Florida, Ohio State, and you know probably one of USC or maybe Texas, assuming there's not an upset. That seems a little ridiculous. That's like that's saying, yeah, you have to beat four of the top five teams, even though you're one of the top five teams. Or not four of the top five, but three of the top five, even though you're one of the top five. And, you know, uh, that sucks. It also sucks because do you know what that means, Chris? They, because they play those, you know, one and eight play at the same time, four and five play at the same time. It means we're not going to get Florida on our broadcast court. Yeah, no, we're not. You know, I, I was looking at that thinking, in general, I thought the, uh, the rules – pretty much the higher seed I was always on the broadcast court and and that appears to hold and maybe there was some discretion here with every match except for the nightcap where we uh, hopefully thankfully uh oh no we do have to that is I was oh we're gonna have to sit through the Ohio State Wisconsin you you always get the highest seed especially when it's the host that's why Illinois a couple like at the end Illinois Michigan got to play uh on the front courts in Chicago as opposed to Texas Ohio State who had just both won yeah well I guess the good news is uh Wake and Baylor will still be going uh you know 80 minutes well, into, the night. So when that match is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's where I want to transition next. So that's the top five seeds. And again, you're going to have to beat the best to be the best. So there's really no point to complaining about the draw. That being said, it's our job as media to talk about where we think things went right, things went wrong. And, you know, it, for a UNC team, I think they deserve, you know, if you're saying a nobody believes in us, if that sort of factor believes in that, you're no, but and we're not going to say nobody believes in you. You're the number four seed. Uh, but they have the right to be a little ticked off. They have the right to say this is an underseeding. Now watch what we do. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're going to be really fun to watch. Uh, you look at the other results and how they influence. Uh, other results from the past week, how they influence where the seeding's at. And by the way, we talked about UNC. Let's go to the flip side a little bit. Before we litigate the middle, I think the biggest shock, and perhaps it's because I let you brainwash me during the College Contender Series, but after the opening week TC, uh, opening weeks of the season TCU have had, in particular these past 10, 11, 12 days, a loss at Michigan. Uh, they lost to Virginia 4-1, a Virginia oh, team that was disaster. literally yeah, it was desperate for a win, and then they got it. They lose to this UNC team 4-0. They haven't been fully healthy. Uh, you know, Indoors is never going to be where TCU shines 
the brightest. But it does shock you, Chris, right? That this I mean, not by seeding, not by results, but if I would have told you in January TCU is going to be the 15th seed for the second year in a row, you would have been like, ha, good one, Alex. Yeah, no, I, I would not have believed that in the least. Even, you know, even missing... But they've generally only been missing, and that's that's the even more shocking thing. Yeah, not totally healthy, but for the most part, in any given match, you generally only missing one guy. And if you pull, if you take a team that was thinking, hey, national championship contender, you know, top top ten team, and you pull one guy out of the lineup, you don't all of a sudden start losing all of you know. You don't go into Michigan and lose, into Virginia and lose, and, you know, just because you're missing one guy, right? So there's definitely been issue, more than just health issues. They haven't just played up to the level that they want to be playing at. So, yeah, it's definitely been an early season disappointment for them, but, you know, they'll probably look to come in and do exactly what they did last year, and that is come in as the 15 and knock off the two seed the first day. Yeah, and look, and you can have confidence knowing that they did do that, and that TCU-USC match is going to be a fun one to call for sure. But you look at where TCU struggled. It, it's funny because they won that doubles point against Michigan, but they lose it to Virginia. They lose it to North Carolina. The wins they're getting across the board sporadic. You know, and one saying uh, Alistair Gray, I think, lost at one singles against Michigan. Uh, but then, you know, or maybe that was a split set. Maybe that didn't finish. Although, I, I, no, I think Fenty did win that match. Um, but then he split sets with Carl. Soderland, uh, but then he loses one and five to Blumberg. And with all due respect to Alistair Gray, who is a phenomenal player, one was never going to be where TCU makes their bread this year. You know, you lose a guy like Alex Rybakov, it's impossible to replace him. But what's really been most surprising is the middle of the lineup, the place we thought TCU was going to thrive. And perhaps this is because of how young they are, and the freshmen are going to get better and better. There's no denying that. Uh, but, you know, that, that combination of you know, Jerasek and Paralek and Famba and even, you know, when he's healthy, Fernley and Sandra Chong. Uh, there just has been no rhythm between that duo. Uh, you know, Luke Famba has been pretty good, but then he gets the bump up to two singles. Seguin beats him six and three. I thought Jurasek at six singles has been really, really good. I think that's the one position they can feel most confident about. In this instance, him and Sandra Chong do a little flip-flop. Jurasek 2-6-6-3-6-2, lost to Joshua Peck, which is pretty fine. Uh, but then in the middle of the lineup, you know, they don't know if they're playing Kruger or not yet, what to do with Fernley, what to do with Parallax. There are just, quite frankly, more questions than answers right now for Coach Rodin. And, you know, I know injuries play a role in it, but, you know, where where do you see this TC? I know you, you sort of mentioned it, and it's still early, um, but do you see a pathway back for this TCU team to maybe, at, at, at the very least, competing for a top eight seed come NCAAs. Is there still enough time for them, or has there been too much damage done? Uh, no, I don't think there's been too much damage done because, I mean, let's look, Michigan's Michigan is l- looking as though, and a lot rides on this coming weekend, right? Because this is the opportunity where you, you could make your whole season here with, with, you know, if you go two and one with a couple good big point wins, you know, you're pretty much solidified in the top 16 uh, just for doing that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the Michigan loss and, and the North Carolina loss, I mean, North Carolina loss isn't going to hurt them one bit. I mean, because North Carolina is going to be in the top five all year. Uh, the Mi- Michigan loss is at this point is looking like, Hey, n- not a big deal because they're looking like a top, you know, 10, 10 to 15 at worst team. Right. Uh, so 
so that that's not a that's not going to hurt them. The one the one that you have to wonder about is the Virginia the match. Now, depending on what Virginia does the rest of the year, if they don't pick up a couple good wins uh, to really get themselves up in the ranking, if they end up being a team that's say in the high twenties uh, or you know say between twenty and thirty, yeah, that loss hurts a little bit, uh, but. It's it, it's still not like losing to an unranked team that can still be easily overcome. And they're going to have an opportunity here, uh, right, to, to pick up some wins. Now, the problem could be with the draw they've got, right? You've got to play T or you've got to play USC. If they don't beat USC, which they're going to clearly be the underdog in that match, you know, you get two more matches and you say, that's fine. We'll go pick up two wins. Well, your next match is the loser of of Stanford, NC State. So let's just you know play devil's advocate and say it's it's NC State. That one may not be in the at by the end of the year worth a ton. It'll be worth points, but in the ACC that they've got to battle through, maybe not the greatest point battle in the world. So yeah, they they really they're gonna have to find a way to pick up a good. They're gonna have to get by that and then get a good win after that. So they'll need two wins at indoors to help themselves out. But for sure. Right, they're going to get to the Big 12 season, and obviously, once they get there, they've got to play Baylor. They've got to play, you know, even Oklahoma still ranked in the 20s. They, uh, you know, they got to play Texas. There's plenty of opportunities for them to pick up the points to get them there in the rankings. Uh, and so, if you're, if we're worried about, hey, can we, are we battling top eight? It's possible, but even if they're not top eight, can are their top 16 for sure, and can they go on the road? like they did last year into Mississippi State in the round in that matchup for at a at a host site and win. Yeah, I think, you know, they'll get healthier and and when you're playing three freshmen, you're only going to get better. Yeah, and just to wrap up this TCU conversation and then we can continue to the other Big 12 teams because you brought up Baylor. That is for sure one of the biggest question marks just what does Baylor actually look like uh, heading into this national indoor tournament we have yet to see their lineup healthy Uh, but look for this TCU team in that Virginia match they lost the doubles and that the fact that again and part of this job the the more we do this job Chris the closer we get to this team it gets harder and harder right because Burtis Kruger is a fantastic human being. Like, I, I could not be more fond of him in my personal experience with him. Coach Rodidi, like, are you kidding me? That There are no better, you know, many are, there are some who are equal, certainly, but no better representat- represent- representative, excuse me, now that I'm out of that game, I don't use that word anymore, but there are no better representatives of college tennis than David Rodidi and this TCU men's program. Uh, that being said, objectively, Burtis Kruger and Sander Jong have struggled. You know, to take losses to Gianni Ross and Will Woodall, who respectfully now to the Cavaliers uh, of Virginia, have been bad. Like, just straight up bad in 2020. That loss hurts. And so, yeah, it, it's just interesting, you know, mentally, because the margins are so thin between these teams. Confidence is half the battle this weekend. This Ohio State team, they're so confident indoors. When we went to the National Indoors last year, that was the difference between them and Wake Forest. It was that Ohio State, you could tell during that doubles point, they were like, we are not losing this doubles point. We are going to take it. McNally and Tuber are going to fight and fight and fight until we win this freaking thing. 
And you worry about this TCU team just given where they're at confidence-wise heading into it. So not surprising to see them as the 15. I don't think any of us are surprised uh, to see Wisconsin at the 16. But, you know, it's the middle tier, right? We knew who the top five were. We we knew realistically who the bottom two were. But everything else in between, Chris, you talk about that, you know, 6 through 14 range. Uh, A, I want to say, hey, great shot to you because you did an excellent job predicting. Uh, but let's start with that Baylor uh, that Baylor team, because Baylor, uh, who this week knocked off Wake Forest 5-2, they did not have uh, freshman sensation Jensen Brooksby. They did not have Adrian Boyton, but they did bring Alex Garcia into the lineup for the first time. His presence at three single moves everyone else down, I believe, this weekend. And, you know, I don't mind saying my source here. I talked to Coach Boland. Uh, it sounds like we are going to hear from Adrian Boyton, or see Adrian Boyton in action. It sounds like we're definitely going to see Alex Garcia moving forward, uh, but still no Jensen Brooksby for the Bears this weekend, still not medically cleared. He's dealing with injuries. Uh, so you look at this Baylor team. I believe they lost to Louisville, Chris. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no. In that instance. No, no they, not Louisville. They lost to, uh, I'm sorry, Coach Bowling, you're going to yell at me. Yeah, I'm going to get that text already. I already regret it. Westoff, uh, give me a rewind sound effect, please. <laughs> God, that's going to be freaking unbearable, Chris, because we're going to see him, too. And he's just going to be like, Alex, what what, what are you saying? Like, How about you get your facts straight for once, Alex? And I'm going to be like, Coach, you, it was a misspeak. I'm on the road seven days in a row. He's going to be like, seven days in a row? Try being the head coach of the greatest program in college tennis history. Um, I'll be like, no, Coach, please, please, please. I even have a mullet going right maybe, now maybe. Uh, because I haven't got a haircut in weeks in ode to you. Um, my, my comment is that'll be the extent of the noise Louisville makes this year. <laughs> leave that there but going back to this Baylor team and coach uh, coach Bolin I hope you hear this that's me kissing into the mic you know how I feel about you personally um (laughs) (laughs) uh, but you look at this roster for the Bears uh Matthias Soto we expected him to play the one the two position whatever he has done an admirable job and in fact he beat Barbatzer uh four six six three six two that's a really good win for him I think the MVP for Baylor thus far maybe the guy who's made the biggest jump between the last season and this year is Baylor uh player Sven La who has filled in at you know anywhere from four singles to one singles when these Bears need it uh in this instance he knocks off body uh six two seven six to get the win there he and Franzen also playing the one doubles position. Uh, and then, you know, Garcia didn't win, but we see what happens when you move everyone else down. Fronson able to beat Banthia 3-4 and four at 6. Ryan Dickerson, a three-set win at four singles over Henry Squire. Uh, let's start with the Baylor side of this match. After you watch them, you know, knock off a team like Wake Forest, who this year isn't in the top tier with, you know, those top five schools we talked about, but uh, a, a Baylor team without Brooksby, you throw Boyton, maybe be in this lineup this weekend as well uh you feel like they could do some damage yeah i mean look now now that they've got boyton back i don't know you know exactly how healthy he is but let's let's just say that he's healthy enough to play you know and he's a he's a big guy that hits the ball really hard so indoors is is definitely going to suit him well you know let's say that he's you know 90 plus percent you know and and he's playing well you're i mean they're the lineup they're going to go with is it's going to be Soto one, La two, Boyton will slide in at three, push Garcia down to four, you know, Dickerson five, and then take your pick, you know, play Finn Bass or, or Constantine Franson at, at, at six at that point. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, 
yes, there's no Brooksby, but look, they had this same lineup without Boynton and Deet Wake. Granted, it's a home match. So uh, you, you can't not like your prospects when you're adding, you know, Adrian Boynton to the lineup and playing the same team you just beat a week ago. Yeah. So let me flip the script then. Uh, more likely to pull off an upset in this rematch, Wake Forest over Baylor, or do you think that there's a better chance South Carolina knocks off UNC? Oh, no. There's a it, more more likely that Wake Forest would beat Baylor. Yeah, and so for the defending finalists here, what do you see for this Wake Forest? Yeah, because at number nine, you know, Wake Forest beat Kentucky, but it was it was it was close. Wake Forest has had some sticky matches thus far already during their season. That's what happens when you lose the nucleus of your national championship and then national finalists back to back teams in Hrisokos, in Gojo, Mansuri, Christian Seraphim. Just over the course of two years, uh, that experience, that institutional knowledge, goes away. So these Wake Forest Demon Deacons outside of Botser and Banthia really playing, and I suppose Estafalu, uh and I guess Kungu, but still, uh, you know, only Botser has played in a national championship winning lineup of that group. Uh, what do you think about Wake at number nine? Because to be honest, feels a little high. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, you, you could have easily made the made the case to to put them down, but I think I think in my I'm not looking at what I put out, but I'm pretty sure that I had like a I think I had an eight nine of uh, of Wake and NC State, right? So I mean it, it's right there in the in the area where I thought, but now it that's just what I was kind of predicting based off where the rankings were heading into the week and the matches that took place, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna rank them. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely drop them down. You know, like I would rank South Carolina up in front of them, um, but and South Carolina is not getting a lot of respect down at you know at thirteen with their only loss coming to to North Carolina. But uh, but yeah, it it could be um, a little high. They've got a lot to prove. The problem is, you know, they've played some, they've had some some decent matches, and they until they lost the Baylor match, they had been. Winning, I would say matches that I thought, yes, after the after Goyo and, and Risojos left, they're going to lose one of these early matches, and they didn't. They did their job. They took care of business. So, um, do I think in the end that we're going to find out that yeah, they're probably not the number nine team, probably, but at this point in the season, I think it's perfectly justified. Let's just play a little game of speculation, Jones, Chris. What do you find as a more impressive best three wins? 4-3 over Columbia, 4-2 over TCU, 4-3 over University of Mississippi, or 5-2 over UCF, 4-2 over Kentucky, 5-2 over UVA? Oh, come on. Your Michigan wins are clearly better. <laughs> so and that's what I'm saying. Given that it's this early in the season, and again, you're, Wake Forest over the past two years, the best program in college tennis. I know Texas won the national championship last year. Ohio State won the indoors, but Wake Forest was in the finals of both. They swept the year before that. Uh, that being said, you're allowed to drop off the year after you lose that much talent. And this is, you know, 
you're going to have to play the best to beat the best. Blah, 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 blah. We don't have to keep repeating that. I just think objectively, you know, you, you're the, the point of this portion of the podcast to look at the seedings, and that might be one where you're like, you know, just the implications of that because now for Michigan, you know, they have a really fun match against Texas A&M, and I just mentioned the wins they had over the past weekend. Uh, Michigan goes to, I believe, or they reschedule a match with Cornell. They end up winning that one 4-1. Uh, they win the doubles point at 1-2. and two. That Michigan doubles point has looked better and better. Uh, Andre Styler has come on of late. He gets a win in that match. Fenty gets a win at 1. They get their win, other win at number 5 from Connor Johnston. And then they go to Columbia, an indoor match, a Columbia team that has looked really good thus far in the 2020 season. They have guys like Jacqueline, Jackie Tang, Adam Ambrosi uh, throughout their line of veterans sprinkled in who have been around before. This was a team, as we've mentioned repeatedly, uh, we loved at last year's National Indoors. And Michigan beats them 4-3 on the road. They take the doubles point once again, getting wins at 1-2. They were up big in a bunch of these matches and you know it's a testament to Columbia by the way that they were able to come back in a couple of different cases uh, for Michigan we, we got our first look at Patrick Maloney at the number 6 singles position he lost 3-5 and five to Austin Huang but it's good to see that Maloney's healthy and getting back into the lineup for these Wolverines who do feel a player short uh, but for this Michigan team I mean their top 3 can play Styler goes to Columbia and he knocks off number 109 Jackie Tang 4-4 four and four. this Michigan team comes in hot, Chris. And I just jinxed them, by the way. They're going 0-3 now after I was so, like, properly cautious. Uh, but it was a great weekend for my boys. Uh, yeah, I don't. they're not going 0-3. Um, so I sure I, I sure hope not. But, uh, but you yeah, know, that they're, they're hot right now. You're right. They're, they're hot, and, and they've got, they've got a decent, you know, a decent draw, I think. You know, not just... And when I say draw, not meaning just their first match, but I just kind of mean overall the section they're in based on, you know, whether they win or lose and who they could potentially play. They've got opportunities for sure where they're going to get wins, right? Because they've, they've got A&M, but they, the other two teams above are Texas, UCLA. So, so you know, win or lose, they're going to get a match against one of them that, that I think is a winnable match, certainly a Definitely, if it's UCLA, even a Texas team, I think would be a great test if they could end up getting to play them. Uh, and then, you know, the teams in the other half, uh, again, some more chances. I, I think it would be great if we got to see uh, a Michigan-NC State rematch at some point, ooh, right? Ooh. So, so the thir- that could be a third-day match, right, if they – depending on how they – what they do yeah. the first two days, right? If they both do the same thing the first two days, if they both go win, 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 lose, lose, win, lose, lose, they play each other the third day. So uh, that that's a possibility. Um, See, real quick, just a quick tangent off of that. So I want to let you know, and again, we are so grateful to our friends at the ITA at Play site, but we've been on the road now for a while. And Sunday night, we had to call, because the championship's Monday, but of course they're a consolation or just people who need to play their third matches on that Sunday night. It'll be the same deal when we're in Madison. And I was not feeling it. I just, I was like, I, I don't know if I have another play-by-play call in me. Like, I don't think this, like, Texas, Ohio State. Like, I, I love Danielle Wolf and Shiori Fukuda, who were kind enough to come onto our podcast right before the National Indoors. And if you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Uh, but I was like, I can't do this. But then they're like, whoa, wait, wait. It's, it's Michigan-Illinois, the last match on courts one through six, because Illinois is the host. And I was like, done. I will be there. Like, re-energized. Let's go. The devastating part about that Michigan-NC State match, 0% 
chance it's on our broadcast court, Chris. Uh, so that is just a little damper. Unless Michigan wins, uh, you know, maintains a position in the front draw. It's probably going to be tough for us to get them on our courts, which might actually be a net good thing. Um, But yeah, I think the Michigan team is very dangerous. You talked about their section. Texas, so young for a bunch of those players, you know, three through six positions. It's their first time competing in a national championship environment as well. Uh, Now they've, you know, they've competed well throughout the year, but that's always a factor. UCLA beaten up. No Connor Hans this week. I think he's dealing with a broken wrist, or I know he hurt his wrist when he stumbled uh, in one of their matches, and so he is out. But yeah, it would also suck to see my boy Ben Goldberg go up against my Wolverines. Now, I, the problem is we know too many people, Chris. I have a rooting interest now in all of these teams. It's devastating. Oh, Ben Goldberg would have to play your boy, Connor Johnston. Oh, no. Oh, well, that's okay, because I'm like, no, friends, 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 friends. (laughs) Can we agree this match doesn't finish? Cool. Like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, very, very likely, actually, that that would be a match that didn't finish. (laughs) Talk about two guys who slapped the ball. Fenty Keegan-Smith would be a blast. Um, But, you know, I feel like we haven't talked about that uh, 6-7 range because, and you said this, and I want to echo this point, and I want to let you make the point because it was yours first. Uh, One of these rare times I won't steal your uh, point, Chris, but be ready for that to change. Come the play-by-play booth where it's, you know, winner take all. It's live or let live. Um, But for for Texas A&M and Stanford, your 6-7 and seeds, you talked about why that's a feel-good story story can you elaborate a little bit on that for our guests who just you know may not get that point yeah so i think i mean you know the way i look at the the seating the the top five like i said earlier were kind of those top five are just a notch above where everybody else is right now and then we've got a whole group from like eight down that's kind of trying to find their way in there and you know we're not sure who's where yet, you know, when you're, when we're talking about the, the wakes and the NC States and the Michigans and the Baylors, the Columbia's and South Carolina's, right. It's yeah, they're good. We're not sure exactly how good, but A&M and Stanford, very good, just not quite top five good. So they, they just, they were right in that middle range where they're a notch above those eight down teams, but they're a notch below those, those top five. And so they just, they just kind of naturally fit right there at, at six seven, and I didn't see how they were going to get away any other way than making them the six seven, which is exactly how they came out. Yeah, and I want to point out for the Stanford team, who you point out, perhaps you know they're a player away. I also just think we haven't seen them really tested yet. Four two over UCLA, four zero over uh, uh, Cal, but they when they played USC, they lost that match six one. But you're looking at the scores, you know, three set match between Cookerman and Rothstart. I, I think anyone who watched Alexander Rothstart play last year, he's as competitive as anyone at the two singles position. He's number twenty one in the country right now. You know, Sangreet Sridhar and Riley Smith. I believe Sridhar. Hart is a freshman. He goes six and six with the senior Riley Smith. That bodes well for them. Uh, you know, for Neil Rajish, I believe another freshman. He knocked off, or maybe not a freshman, but he knocked off Stefan uh, Dostinich uh, four and one at the five singles position. I think this team is still working into finding which doubles pairings work best for them because they are so young. Uh, but this Stanford team has a ton of talent. You know, if they come in second and UCLA doesn't, and I think at this point the seeding would indicate that's the way things are 
headed. Uh, that should shock no one because the Stanford team has looked really, really, really good. Uh, now, on the other point for that, the other team in that pairings, uh, you talk about the number six seeds, Texas A&M. I know they lost, I believe it was 4-1 to Ohio State, but I thought it was a good showing for them. And the Aggies are different. Whereas Stanford has a bunch of new talent they're working in, we know this Aggie lineup. We've seen this Aggie lineup. And I think, you know, they're the veteran team. If anything, they may be the beneficiaries of the draw. You know, if you told me they knocked off Michigan and then they won the doubles points and got wins at, you know, three, four, and six against Texas and find themselves in the semifinals, that wouldn't shock me at all. What about you? No. Yeah. I mean, the, the issue I have there is there, A&M to me is kind of like the, is kind of like a Florida where I, I've got to see them do something indoors to believe that they're going to play with the indoor teams indoors, right? I mean, they're not an indoor team, just like Florida's not an indoor team. Both very, very good teams, just not the ideal surface for them. So I think that's, I mean, I, honestly, I think it's uh, for, for getting a 6-11 matchup. I think that's a great matchup chance for, for Michigan there. Just because you know it's they're not they're not running into a team that plays a ton of indoor tennis this time of year, uh, so I think they're as well as uh, the other thing I was going to say is I'm not I'm not sold on what we're going to see yet uh, for a lineup there. They've played a lot of different lineups, and I'm not sure you know what we're actually going to see come come match day against against Michigan. I'll be very interested to see. I mean, we know. The top three are the top three in some order. Uh, Bastro, Aguilar, and who am I missing there? You got Habib, Aguilar, and Bastro. And, and, and Habib, yeah, in some order. Yeah, in some order, that's the top three. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then it gets interesting. It was it was Barney Smith for sure, like a lock at four coming into the year. Uh, he got a little banged up. He's back now and, and, and playing again. So maybe... Uh, you know, maybe it is um, Barney playing four, but but then you've got guys like Noah Schachter, Pierce Rollins. My boy, Noah Schachter. Let's be clear, who's loving mother, whom we love so dearly here at Cracked Rackets, is a Patreon subscriber. So, you know, we we don't let our, our influence will never be bought. We are going to give you straight thought, always our opinions. You want to know what we're going to say? We're going to say it here, uh, unless we swear, in which case we'll have Westoff edit it out. Um, but shout out to her and shout out to Noah Schachter, who's looked awfully good to start this season. Yeah, I mean, I, and so I think, uh, and and actually, when they played Ohio State, right? They actually played they played Noah at four, uh, and and Barney at five, um, and so and, and then they're just they've kind of got a revolving door, I think, you know, around the sixth spot. I thought we'd see more. We've seen uh, Pierce Rollins, we've seen Storch, we've seen Guido Marson. Uh, you know, they got all, all kinds of choices. So so that sixth spot for sure, I think, is as long as Barney's healthy. I think Schachter and Smith are four and five in some order after the top three in some order. And then six uh, is, is kind of a toss up. And yeah, I mean, I think that's a, it's not the, not the best thing for them to be, you know, indoors, great match, great matchup for Michigan. It would, I mean, it would surprise me. I think if, if you told me that one of those two teams, uh, even though I don't consider Texas an indoor team, right. For one of them to get by Texas, it would surprise me a little. You know, whoever wins that, assuming Texas beats UCLA, uh, but you know, hey, that 
I think it's a, again, I think it's a great section of the draw. If you're, if you're looking for upsets, that's a great part to, of the draw to be in for upsets because those are not, you know, traditional indoor teams that, that are, they'll be susceptible to an indoor upset. And the best part about all of this, Chris, we have a full second part of this podcast to talk about the upsets we want to predict, to talk about the, all of these teams. And I agree with you. It, you know, I, the top five and then the, the next 11, probably in two separate tiers, but there's no definitive powerhouse. There's not a UVA who just is clear cut above everyone else. With all due respect to Florida, who we may have prognosticated at the end of last season, oh yeah, that's the team we could see take a jump. Uh, they're not there yet. You know, this UNC team, the depth, the talent, the the experience, all, all of the different things that they have going for them. We haven't seen this particular group break through and win a national title. Uh, so there's a lot to be proved for Ohio State. They're the defending national champs, but they have so many new starters. So that institutional knowledge of defending a title, not necessarily inherent uh, to this Buckeye team. That's why I think it's going to be such a fun week uh, weekend of tennis in Madison. And of course, Chris, I know you and I are both so excited to be there, to be on the play-by-play call for any of our listeners of who didn't get the chance to see that uh, last week in for the women's, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You'll be able to find the links to those play site streams. And again, thank you to our friends at the ITA for making that possible. Okay, if we don't do this now, it will get lost in the shuffle. So I apologize to all the teams that were sneaking in at the back end here. But Chris, I want to give you, we'll say, three minutes maybe. Um, and there's a whole cohort of results we talked about. But these are non-national indoor results because... We will talk about the specific round of 16, our specific predictions tomorrow morning with Matt the Cracks Koyak, who I feel like I should apologize to personally for not having on both of these parts. That's a testament to our work schedule that we're on the road so often over this past week. Uh, but we're not going to leave you high and dry without a three-person preview, so we'll do that tomorrow. That being said, Chris, three minutes. Give me the other notables from the past week in men's college tennis because I missed a lot of it. So much like the listeners, I need a little recap. Oh, okay. Well, obviously, you know, I think we, we, we touched on the Virginia TCU, but some of the, some of the non-schools, so Illinois, right? Not, not at indoors. All right. Let me cut, let me cut you off. I said, I was going to let you go on a speech. I that one up so badly, Chris. I was, I'm taking the L on that early. (laughs) You're getting your mulligan out now. (laughs) One in five, just a disastrous start to the year for Illinois. Not bad teams that they've lost to here, but, you know, they lose to Florida 7-0. They lose 4-3 to UCF, uh, both of those matches at home. Rough start for Illinois. Um, obviously, uh, then we had Wait, uh, Tennessee. So can I, can, I, can I throw something onto that? Yeah, sure. So I'm not going to say who I heard this story from. Uh, again, now that I'm a journalist, I actually have to keep some integrity in my sources, but I can confirm because I've heard it from multiple people about the ending of Alex Kovacevich this week in Cleveland and what he did and where he's at mentally right now. And, you know, at the end of his match, you could see it on the stream. He destroyed a camera. Well, guess what? He went off camera. He went behind the curtain and was about three seconds away from destroying another racket, just like he brought the rackets behind the screen to just start breaking them. This is a guy who mentally just is not locked in right now, and it's not just that he lost to Oliver Crawford. Uh, It's that he played two against UCF and lost in three sets as well. Uh, Now, for this Illinois team that they didn't have Alex Brown at the beginning of the season, that could could be the linchpin that has this season fall off a cliff. Uh, But this Illinois team's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, and and I I think they'll, I won't say I think they will. I think there's a good chance they turn things around, but primarily 
that's going to be because they're not going to indoors, and now they're going to play a Big Ten schedule that bar that minus Michigan and Ohio State just isn't very strong. So, um, you know, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to feel good about themselves and beating up on on some of the other Big Ten teams. But yeah, the, the chance to to get those points for rankings to get themselves in a decent seeding spot for come NCAA's has for the most part, you know, passed by, they've got, they've still got some, some matches left on the schedule, but, but yeah, the the start was definitely not the start they were looking for. They were a team I had as a top eight potential seed contender. And right now I just, that's not possible. There are too many good teams and they've taken too many losses. Now it was interesting to see the lineup Florida deployed against them. And I think that's something we'll talk about with Matt tomorrow when we get into Florida lineup specifically in their matchup against Columbia. Uh, but outside of that, Illinois, and you know, I know All Mississippi right. state, Oklahoma, where else yeah. are we going? Yeah. Let's let's, I'll just run through some, so some Beautiful. notable things. So ten. Tennessee. Until I interrupt you again, but yeah, 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 I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to rapid fire, and it'll just turn into a, sl- a slow, drawn out sport gun. Uh, but uh, Tennessee Duke, uh, you know, Tennessee goes to Duke. Duke takes the doubles point. All six singles matches go three sets. Tennessee wins every single one of them. At one point, down breaks in the third set on one, two, and three, and somehow turned it around. I mean, the the craziest, wildest closest 6-1 match you'll ever see but the one thing I will bring up of note in that match uh no Scott Jones for Tennessee and since that point in time has been removed from the roster and no longer with the team so that's a big hit uh for the Vols so Uh, they drop they drop below the tier of now South Carolina Georgia uh as that you know that there's a couple others you know Texas A&M yeah they were a tier but they they drop out of that tier they were that three, four, five tier in the SEC mixed in, like you said, with South Carolina, Georgia. Definitely, I think, uh, makes it tough to be there. The question is, is it so now is there a three, four and then are they alone at five or has, you know, do some of those teams have the opportunity to join with them being? Yeah, it's just a big group, right? It's Old Miss, mm-hmm. it's Kentucky, it's Bam, it's LSU, it's, you know, it's Arkansas a, even. Uh, let's not get carried away yet. Um <laughs> Did you hear that, Coach Boland? He's coming uh, after you. No, I'm just kidding. That's oh, that's my buddy Andy Jackson. I can't be hard on Andy. Andy, I love Andy. But uh, so yeah, let, we'll keep rolling here. So yeah, rough weekend for Mississippi State. Tulane goes into Mississippi State, beats them four zero. Texas Tech beats them four two. So that number twenty ranking uh, that they're holding on to is you know will be no more. Uh, then then we had a couple other you know Oklahoma. A decent turnaround. They had they had kind of they had been falling, if you will, and they get a couple four three wins over Arkansas and San Diego over the weekend. So you know some decent uh, quality. One that we didn't talk about that was really uh, when we were talking through seedings, a seeding implication was the Texas Georgia match. I think Texas beats Georgia four three. Probably played a factor in helping solidify them as the three uh, and not letting North Carolina jump them uh you know had they not had the opportunity to get that win maybe we would have seen north carolina higher but texas does manage uh to get a 4-3 win the the most notable result out of that match though to me was the fact that yuya ito lost at one to trent bride uh so bride's been playing really well this year um beyond that uh you know there were a couple here and there i wouldn't say there was any anything earth shattering outside of that, that that really caught my eye. I will say 
in in the Florida Florida we took the road trip. What a brutal trip! They go up to Illinois, hit West Lafayette for Purdue on the way home, and then you know, and that was on Sunday. Instead of just trotting straight on up to Madison, they have to go all the way back home to Florida, stay there for a couple days, and then hop on a plane and get up to Madison. So uh, not the most favorable travel schedule for them. And in that match against Purdue that they win 6-1, their lone loss comes after they pull Crawford. Riffis loses it one, um, which I just thought it was a 10. It was a 10 point breaker, but still not certainly not the, the result I expected to see there. Uh, and I think that, you know, for the most yeah. part, that, that's that was that was most of the uh, most, most of the the interesting matches, if you will. Well, that's where we disagree. I got three more to add for you. And well, wait, I want to wait, give you I forgot. Liberty beat Virginia Tech. There it is. I was going to save it for last. There it is. That's me bouncing. That's a natural sound effect. But Westoff, give me the fireworks. You know what time it is. We hadn't brought it up yet, Chris. I was going to bring it up. 4-3 win for your boys. I'm going to say it, our boys because, let's be honest, your family is my family. In Judaism, we're all Mishbuka, uh, and Trevor is 100% my Mishbuka. Um, but so, yeah, that, that's got to be feeling good, right? Oh, I mean that was that was awesome. So they they had a really tough. They had a, you know VCU is a good team this year. They played VCU to a four three loss on Friday, and then they go to Virginia Tech on the road and thought and I thought oh this is you know and then all of a sudden I'm sitting there watching the scores and I am frustrated. I'm going to continue to give grief to these people who can't seem to get this digital stuff right. So USC <laughs> who can't do live scoring, Stanford who can't make a mobile friendly scoring app. Now, now Virginia Tech's on my on my. Here you go. I got another one for you, Westoff. Virginia Tech's on my <laughs> list. Okay, I'm driving back from I'm driving back from Georgia this weekend, trying to watch the scoring. First, I'm trying. I pull up the live stream to watch the match, and it's it's video, but there's no score on the video like you get with PlaySight. And I'm sorry if you're driving, you can't pay that close attention to the match that you actually know what's going on. I need a score, so. So the video was pointless, so I didn't watch video. So I'm trying to watch the scoring, and then the scoring's not even a response. So on my phone, you can't even scroll. So all the matches that are on the scoreboard to the right, I can't see the score. So now, so now I'm texting like, "What the hell is the score on courts three and six? Because they're off the edge of my phone, and the site doesn't scroll." I mean, oh, so Virginia Tech. I mean, it's it's the Learfields, you know. What? <laughs> Go fix your damn thing and make it scroll. But yeah. Liberty beats Virginia Tech four uh, three. Josh Wilson at number two, uh, five. You know, serving for it five four. Oh, that had to be a tight moment. But uh, and I'll say honestly, I was expecting like this monstrous celebration. You know, like <laughs> you see so many of these, like the guy wins, falls on the ground, and everybody jumps. It was like a very tame. Like they all kind of ran out to him, blah blah blah, and then he ran to the net to shake hands. I was like, man, what happened? I mean. It was, yeah. Word on the street is there are assistant coaches like, if you guys embarrass me, we're running all day. (laughs) So uh, he has about a tight leash uh, Does that assistant coach. Uh, But no, I mean, shout out to our boys, the Liberty Flames. I know we're not supposed to be biased, but we are always excited for Trevor. And we can't wait to see what he does. Again, your family is my family. So we always take the time uh, to shout out family uh, on this podcast. I got to give a couple more shout outs to my three favorite 4-3 results of the weekend. Shout out to my boys at St. Francis College in New York, knocking out Lafayette 4-3. 
victory. Shout out to my boys at Coastal Carolina, uh, knocking out Presbyterian 4-3. And then most importantly, my boys at Abilene Christian University. We know I all I always identify with an Abilene Christian. They knock out Tyler JC uh, 4-3. I think I'm going to keep working those sorts of updates in because there's so much college tennis and all of these programs deserve shout outs. And, and Fligner couldn't get on you to give the 4-3 Dartmouth over Minnesota. So... I'm glad you said that because that is actually my last thing. If you listeners haven't already, and this is the perfect way to end part one, go to our social media. Not only are you going to see all of the content we had from the women's indoors from our week at the Kentucky Open, all of some sneak preview stuff of what we're doing on Patreon, but there was a Dartmouth player, and I don't remember exactly who it was. Did you see oh the my overhead God, re- that got hit yeah, the, I the behind the back? I retweeted that video. Un- yeah, that I retweeted that. Unreal. Like, people talked about the Sandgren tweener against Steve Johnson oh, yesterday. Oh, no, the, and, like, that, that was a sports one was way better. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding? He literally stuck his racket out and hit it, and it worked. And you're <laughs> like, that's the stuff you try and practice all the time, and you end up hitting yourself in the nuts. And, like, it just, like, it freaking worked. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a great, great video. Yeah, it was also, we also want to give a shout-out, since this is the college tennis portion, uh, to Brian Shee the Harvard tennis player who really good performance for him against Cam Norrie, I thought at the New York open. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, he's looking and and they, they actually had, I, I thought you were even going to bring up their, uh, you know, their results because Har- and I had put a tweet out Harvard, Harvard beat Vanderbilt four, three uh, in a, in a t- another tight four, three match this week. The Ivy league between Columbia, Harvard and Dartmouth has been outstanding this year. Uh, I mean, just the three of them alone, uh, and then you still have schools like Princeton, but, but yeah, uh, I mean, lot, lots of good stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, uh, it's a fun time to be a college tennis fan because there's so much good tennis at all times, but this is why we divided it in part two, because of course, Chris, we already hit the, the hour mark and we haven't even done any predicting. So this is where we're going to wrap up part one. As I mentioned, part two, myself, Chris Halliors, and of course the third member of our college tennis trinity matt the cracks to koyak we'll be back at it tomorrow morning that pod should be released thursday night certainly before any match starts friday uh previewing each of the eight round of 16 matches giving our pick for who's going to advance who's going to make the semifinals the finals the upset alerts the dark horse picks all of those sorts of little things the lineup questions you guys should be pondering as you get ready for this weekend uh so be on the lookout for that second part of the gsp to drop tomorrow uh again if you haven't already Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets, CrackedRackets.com for any content you might have missed. It's been a really busy stretch in the tennis calendar. It feels like Australian Open was months ago. But in reality, it was only a couple. I think it was what, last, not this past Sunday, but the one before that. That was the final. So it's amazing how much time, how quickly time flies. And that's or two Sundays ago. Yeah, that's uh, that's how fast the tennis world functions. Chris, uh, before I wrap this bad boy up, any final thoughts? No, I think, uh, you know, I, I will actually, I, I have one final thought and I guess I, I have to owe you a once minor apology. Oh, I, here we go. I gave you grief that the university of Michigan had scheduled uh-huh. a match for Friday with Michigan state that they've now had to move because they made it indoors. I said, I guarantee you they're the only team that scheduled a match during indoor, you know, during that time that had to move it. Well, I'm sitting here looking at the schedules that were uploaded, and South uh-huh. Carolina scheduled a match. <laughs> and you would never impugn uh, your friends at South Carolina. Yeah, no, Coach Goffey, a... I'm not even going there. So, you know. 
I love it. I'll take it. An apology from Chris. Is it my birthday? I didn't know I was to be her catch. Uh, but no, oh. yeah. Other than that, man, no. God, obviously, we got we got part two to come, and then hey, we're you know, we're we're hitting the road uh, tomorrow evening and and making our way towards Madison uh, for for the uh, Friday 9 a.m. matches uh, where we'll be uh, we'll be calling uh, the Texas UCLA match while you have an eye and a half. Um, <laughs> Michigan Texas A and M match. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Well, you have maybe a half an eye open because yeah, you're just no, going to be well, a zombie no. at that point." Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm ecstatic for that. And again, shout out to you, Chris, for taking the time to do this with me for previewing the women's podcast. I can't tell you enough, just personally, uh, how helpful that was to me for clarifying my thoughts. And we nailed those predictions, so I promise you, you're going to want to come back for our men's predictions tomorrow. So hopefully, uh, we nail those as well. The pure people who are really getting nailed and effed by all of the work we are having them do. Our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, who continue uh, to have a f- of a job to do. And again, I-, I mentioned it at the top, Chris and I so excited to be going to Madison this year for uh, the indoor event to be doing the play-by-play. We had the chance at Cracked Rackets to talk with University of Wisconsin head coach, former University of Wisconsin player, uh, Danny Westerman, to talk about you know how they've been preparing to host the national indoor event, what it's like when you have to play indoor for the majority of your season, all of those fun things we like to hit on the Cracked Interviews podcast. So, you know, get ready for the indoors. It'll be on you and over before you know it, and you don't want to be ill-prepared nor miss any of the action. So be on the lookout for that. But for my wonderful co-host, the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula, I'm not going to repeat it all at this point, but Chris Halliors, who I will talk to in literally seven hours for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westa, for our friends at Aerobar and Diadem, who with the promo codes Cracked30, C. 50 respectively you can get money off your orders of their product uh, and for all of us here at the tennis channel podcast network and crack records i'm your host alex gruskin chris it's an hour 10 so do you remember what podcast we were doing and what we tell the listeners of course i do alex hey great shot <laughs> i love it i'll talk to you literally in the moment.